Bueller. That was bloody brilliant. Oh, thank you for that assessment, Mr. Weasley. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Hey, everyone. I'm Joe. And I'm Jamil. And we're Brothers Who Teach. Bueller. Welcome to episode 17 of Brothers Who Teach. Jamil, spring, I think, has finally arrived. The sun has come out. It's good. Oh, my gosh. Finally get to wear shorts. <laughs> yeah, that feels good. I, it was about 80 degrees yesterday. Um, I After tennis practice, I actually had that thing where the sweat has dried up and you got, like, the salt on your on your head so that's a that's a big sign of summer um not only does it feel good outside but there's that sense of oh we're almost at the end of the year we're getting there brings a whole new energy in itself yep you can finally you can see that finish line at the end you're catching your second third or fourth wind whatever it is at this point in the school year and you've got the energy to to finish things out all right today we're going to be talking about brain breaks or Another way to think of it is how to keep your students engaged the entire class period. And and something that we might want to just start out with is let's let's just talk about how long our class periods are and what what that kind of looks like for, for you and for me. So you, you go ahead, go sure. first. So ours are usually 45 minutes. And we do block scheduling, so we rotate when each class meets. But... You meet for 45 minutes uh, four times a week. And one of those times a week, you meet for 55 minutes. And that's meant to kind of extend the overall time you get in the class. But we don't have any super long blocks. I mean, the you know, when you have a 55-minute block that happens to be on the last period of the day, that one feels longer. But in general, um, they're a pretty manageable amount of time. Yeah, we, we actually have a very strange schedule where we actually have four different schedules that we operate on. Because on Monday, we have a, the students have a late start because the first hour teachers are collaborating with each other. Um, and that hour is built in every single Monday. That's what's going on. So classes are about 40 minutes on Monday. We have a regular seven period day on Tuesday and Friday where those are 50 minute classes. Okay. And then Wednesday and Thursday are block days where I only see periods one, three, five, and seven on Wednesday and periods two, four, six on Thursday. So those classes are about an hour 20, almost an hour and a half. Um, so those are the days, especially the block days where it's really hard to keep students engaged the entire time because, you know, an hour 20, hour 30 minutes, that's, that's a lot of time to keep students, especially at you know, at the middle school age, engage for yeah. all that time. Well, let's talk about this first, because I think when we talk about this idea of brain breaks, meaning a way to break up your class, a way to take a break from your teaching, do you ever feel like you don't have time for that? Or that, you know, with an hour and 20 minutes, obviously you can fit in what you want to fit in, but on your regular length of a class, do you ever feel, oh man, I've got a lot to, to get in today, I really like I really want to push through and not do that break. 
there there can be that urge to say, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to get through. I can't afford to take a couple minutes out of out of my day. But the more you teach and the more you realize that like students have kind of hit a wall, you start to realize realize that you can't afford not to have a break where yeah. the students need to to recharge just for 3 or 4 minutes or and, and depending on your class sometimes it's only 30 seconds sometimes it's a couple minutes but just a chance to to recharge the batteries for as little time uh as necessary but yeah the, the more the more you teach you start to realize i have to build in some time where the kids can kind of take a little break and then come back and then we go again nice yeah so I kind of mentioned and when we were taking notes here that sometimes like we as teachers can get like a little self-centered where we think that our class is all that should matter to, to our students. Like if they don't remember something from yesterday, like we almost take it as like a personal slight, like how dare you, how dare you (laughs) not remember the things that I taught you the day before. And sometimes we can forget that like, Oh, we were middle schoolers once and there were so many other things that were going on in our life. That like it doesn't mean that what we're learning in my class isn't important, but you know it's not the end all be all. Yeah, and also just even within the school day, it's like they're coming from another class that might have been tough, that might have been boring, whatever. They've got another class coming after this. Like they're getting seven periods, seven different things thrown at them. So the idea of them to be totally locked into your individual block, like. You've got to have some cushion on both ends of those transition times and expect like, hey, they're going through different stuff right now. Yeah, whether it be, yeah, the other classes that you mentioned or their extracurricular activities or their friendships or their relationships or, you know, teenagers, they're, you know, they're they're changing. They're having to deal with aches and pains. It's it can be tough sometimes. Do you remember like and it might have been in high school, it might have been in college, just just sitting in on a class where you got to the point where you were hearing what your teacher or professor was saying, but like you knew in that moment, like none of this is getting in because I'm just like academically drained right now. Never. Okay. What are you talking about? Let's, let's try this again where we're actually telling uh, the truth now. <laughs> um, well, I think what I remember is what would happen is I don't know that I'd hear the words anymore. I think – the voice in my head or the things I was thinking about in my head would become my focus. And all of a sudden, like I wasn't processing what, what the teacher was saying. I guess maybe it's what you were saying where, yeah, I know they were talking, but I realized I didn't register what, what had just happened. And I don't know that there was any one particular class where that would happen more than others. I just remember, you know, sometimes it it would just happen during the day. Like you, you kind of lose track of things or, you let your mind drift for a little bit, focus about the upcoming soccer match you have or something and realize, oh, shoot, I, I missed that. And you hope like it's not vital, but it's also a, a real thing that happens. Hmm. Yeah. And and that uh, I can think of a couple classes where that would happen. And we're not really going to get in, into like the academics of, of when this happens a whole lot, but I I would remember thinking like, okay, I'm not going to remember any of this. It's probably important that I write this down so that once when I am back in a good state of mind, I can read over these notes so that it will sink in. 
a little bit, but that's kind of a plug for just why taking notes in your class are really important because, and I, I don't think teachers necessarily expect this, but like you're not going to take in everything you hear in the class period the first time you hear it. It's really important that you can go back and look over that stuff again. Totally. I mean, that's the reason we we tell kids to take notes. And honestly, from a teaching standpoint, that's why notes are a good thing for you to issue your students. But also, like, you should offer them times in the class where they are writing things down, whether that's if you provide them a notes sheet or you make it very clear, like, hey, write this down right now. This is what you need to know. You know, obviously, it's nice to say, well, everything I talk about, you need to know. But it's nice if, for, I think, from a student perspective, if you can tell them, hey, boom, 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 get this down, or like, these are your takeaways, make sure you know this, then they can at least like perk up their ears and be like, okay, he, he's called it out now, this is what I've got to take down. Yeah. All right, so today, what, what, what we're really going to focus on is like, how to break up the monotony of a class period. And, and, a, and a phrase that I like to think of is, your students should come into your class knowing that there's going to be anticipated variety. <laughs> okay. And I know that those two things kind of sound contradictory, but what I mean by that is a student should come in knowing that, okay, at the beginning of the day, there's going to be a problem up at the board, and that's probably going to be some review from the year or something that we've been doing previously in the year. And then I'm going to get some notes about how to work on something new that we've been building off of something earlier. We're going to do some example problems, and then I'll probably get a homework assignment where you're breaking up the class period, but the student also can kind of anticipate what's coming one after the other. Yeah, definitely. That feeling of the class is moving, I think that helps the students stay focused. Like you said, the anticipation part of it is interesting too. I mean, I've tried to set a rhythm in my classes, um, some units, the the timing of all that gets off. But yeah, it is nice when I think the students like the breakups, but they also like knowing kind of where the class is going to go too. So the more you can kind of make that, again, predictable, but different, I think is a nice combination to have. Yeah. And, and um, we've really been encouraged at our school to like write down our objectives somewhere in our classroom for what's going to be going on for that day. Some teachers even go further and kind of write out a plan for the class day. And, and they kind of, the, the argument they gave for it is like, if you go to a concert or if you go to a play, they write down like what acts you're going to be watching in the, in the program. Okay. So when you get there, you know what to expect. You know when intermission is coming and you have a general feel of what the performance is going to look like. And why wouldn't you want something like that? in your classroom for your students to know we're going to start here, go to here, then this, and then we'll do this to finish up. And I, I think it's a great idea. So like, yeah, you have your problem up on the board, but you also have written off to the side. We're going to work on solving two-step equations. We'll do two, three examples. You'll get your homework at the end of class. Like if you have something like that written off to the side. It's interesting. You, you use the word concert as your comparison, I was thinking of like a rock concert where you don't actually know what's coming, like what this order of songs is going to be. And that provides some excitement too. maybe that metaphor doesn't work here. 
But yeah, I'm just trying to think of like, what would that look like in the classroom if the students are like, oh, we're going to be doing this at some point today. Like, he's going to play the greatest hit. Like, when is that coming? I don't know that teachers have that, but I, I don't know. They're, I think sometimes it's nice to be able to, I guess maybe that's like when you offer the kids to play a game or to watch a movie or something like uh, leave that in the back pocket so that they're, you know, something that they're excited for. But I agree in general, it should be more like a play with a program instead of, uh, you know, a show where you don't know what's coming next. Now let's, let's talk about like on, on my 90 minute block days, Yeah, ways to keep students engaged that entire 90 minutes. All right. And, and there are a lot of things that we're battling against because it's a really long period. Um, through, through the research, it's, it's pretty much understood that the attention span varies from age to age. And, and you can kind of anticipate that it's going to be about two to three times the student age. So if I'm working with middle schoolers, I got 13, 14 year olds, somewhere between about half an hour and 45 minutes is like the maximum amount that they could stay engaged before, like I would have to break things up a little bit. Okay. And with you having high schools, like maybe you can get up to an hour. Okay. So with, with the 90 minute class period, a, a lot of teachers think of it as, well, normal class periods are about 45 minutes and then we'd have a passing period and then a new class would start. So they kind of say halfway through the period, we're going to take a four-minute break, which would be about the same as a passing period, and then we'll come back and we'll get back into it. So so the question is, what are some things that you can do in that four-minute gap in between your first half of your lesson and the second half of your lesson? And there are we, – we have a couple teachers who have provided all the other teachers with some really, really good ideas, just like little games, little quick things that you can do. To get your students not thinking about what you were just working on. Yeah. Kind of let themselves go for a little bit and then they're ready and refreshed for another 40-minute lesson. A palate cleanser for the brain, you could say. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way <laughs> to think of it. Um, one of my favorites, because it's actually mathematical, but I don't tell the students it's mathematical so that they don't think of it, is, is a game called Slap Count 21. Okay. And Jamil, I'll play it with you where... Uh, the, the snaps will count as uh, a high five. So the, so what you do is I high five you either one or two times and then you high five me one or two times. And okay. you can play it one of two ways where you can, you're counting all the way up to 21 and you can either play the person who slaps on 21 loses or you can play the person who slaps on 21 wins. Okay. Okay, how do you want to play it? And actually for the sake of our audio, maybe we should say like let's just count can we just do it where we sure. count to? Sure. So you say one or two, one, or you yeah. say one, two. Yeah. And whoever, all right. So let's say whoever says twenty-one loses. Okay. I'll go first. You're gonna win. You're gonna win because I'm sure you know the strategy. But let's play. I anyway. do know the strategy. All right. I'll go first. All right. <laughs> all one, right. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 1920. Ah, 21. Yeah. And and like okay. I I I really kind of ham it up. I'm like I've never been beaten at this game. I'm undefeated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz like I know I actually know the mathematics behind how to win in both situations. Right. And then eventually have... like students like get curious and they're like, "Okay, how do, how do I win?" And then eventually yeah, I yeah, tell yeah. them the rule. Where do you want to go? Do you want to know the rule? How do you determine I think the, you I think I want to know. I think the people want to know too. So if you play that, if you play that, landing on twenty one loses. 
you want to go first. And you want... But then is there a certain number? Okay. Yes. And you always want to finish on a number that is one less than a multiple of three. (laughs) Okay. All right. So So this is great because you just explained the strategy, but you still got to do a little math in your head to make that work. One less than a multiple of three. So like you want like 17, right? Because that would be one less than 18. Right. So like eventually students start to figure out like, okay, I want to be on 17. And then they might go a little bit further. Like, okay, I want to be on 14. And then they might go a little uh, further. I'm yeah. going to be on 11. I'm like, yeah, I figured it out. You want to finish on two at the beginning. <laughs> and then if you play that landing on 21 as a winner, you always want to finish on a multiple of three. So if you play that 21 as a winner, you want to go second. Okay. Okay. Because then you always And then you want to be on a multiple of three, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I always love playing that game. And then eventually the students start to figure it out. And then it gets them thinking mathematically even when they didn't know that they were thinking about math. So that's pretty cool. Sure. Uh, another thing that you can do is um, it's called the piece and okay sign. So Jamil, with, with one hand, make the okay sign. Okay. And then with the other hand, make the peace sign. Got it. And I, I preface this by telling my students sometimes you might make an inappropriate Remark, uh, gesture, but try to switch between Whoa. your hands. Oh, okay, that's hard. So where your left hand starts with the okay sign and then goes to peace, while your right hand yeah. does the exact opposite at the same time. I think I've started. I'm switching from how to hold the okay sign to just the three signal. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'm kind of getting it now. That's yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. And nice. that's just another thing to, so that one's, yeah, that one's where you're just physically doing something different. Right. You're still using your brain in a way, but totally different than like trying to process math. Right. Uh, a teacher taught us this game called Wusha. And this is where, this is a game where like really as the teacher, you got to sell it where okay. if you're, if you're the leader, you have everybody stand up and you tell the class that there are three poses you can make. You can make the fireball pose where like, you're basically making a ball with your hand. Okay. You can make the crane, which is like the the Daniel Sun ending yeah, of the Karate hands are out Kid. Wide. Yeah. Or you can make the Cobra, which is yeah, your almost under almost your a salt almost a your... salt bay thing that you're doing. Uh, and if you're the leader, you count three, two, one, and then everybody has to say Wusha. It's a way to get everybody okay. involved. Wusha. And then you make one of those poses. And everybody makes okay. one of those poses. If you make the same pose as the leader, you sit down and you're out. Oh, and then okay, you okay, just cool. go until you're down to the one person. Yeah. All right. It's, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot of material to it. But if, if you sell it and you get the students engaged, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, you can yeah. do the classic, like, rub your tummy and tap your head. Right. That's, a, that's what I was thinking of when you were doing the peace and the okay sign mm-hmm. is, like, you got to get your brain doing two different things at once yeah um something i do at the beginning of the year and at the beginning of the second semester as well is uh i just have a student i just have all my students write down their name and write down a fun fact about them okay and um it's great for me uh because i can get to know the students a little bit about the students at the beginning of the year and what i do on each of these block days because it's it's once a week is during this three or four minute period. I'll read one of these fun facts 
to the whole class, and they and the class has to try to guess who oh. had that fun fact. And then and then we could like I can ask the student whoever's that fun fact that was a couple questions about that fun fact. And, yeah. and it could kind of get the whole students involved. Like if somebody writes down, like I used to live in New York for a couple of years, like I just ask like, all right, who here has lived somewhere other than this hometown for longer than a couple right, of years? Right, and right. then we could just kind of have like a little fun discussion for a little bit. Yeah. And that's great because I, it's so easy. And, you know, I fall into this is where I just ask everyone at the start of the year, what's your name? Tell me something about you. And we get it all the way in day one, you know, Versus you, you're spreading it out. Each person has their own kind of day where they get to you know talk about themselves, and it's just a nice way, like you said, to break up the class mm-hmm. instead of doing it all at, at one chunk. Also, I found out that like there are some students who you know months into the year still don't know all the names of their stu- of the of their classmates. Uh, classmates. Is that has mm-hmm. that ever happened to you? Where like no, just because. Well, I was gonna say just because our classes are pretty small. Like we only have like ten to ten to well like fifteen's the the max. Um, so usually people can figure it out. Um, now not everyone talks to everybody else. And so, you know, your thing where people are trying to guess who, who did something like, you know, and it's kind of spotlight, uh, spotlights, other people. That's a cool way to kind of get the class talking instead of just like you talking to individual students. Yeah. Another, another, uh, student favorite is silent ball where everybody just goes to the outside corners of the room. Everybody's silent, and you're just throwing a tennis ball or a stress ball or something around. And if you drop it, you're out. If you make a bad throw, you're out. And if you talk, you're out. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought it meant like an invisible ball. And I was like, the kids are into that. Like the kids go to their corners and just fake throw <laughs> throw balls back and forth. I mean, it is a brain break, but. That makes way more sense where they actually have something to throw, mm. uh, make it tangible. Well, now that you mentioned it, I, I guess like if you taught the students how to play it, just playing like signs and signals for like three, four minutes would be a great idea as well. Yeah, signs and signals is a fun game. You, you sit in a circle and everyone has a gesture that's theirs. And you use your gesture to, quote, catch the ball, which is it, it is invisible. And then you use someone else's gesture to throw the ball to them and then they have to gesture to catch it person in the middle is trying to find out who quote unquote has the ball or you know where the ball is at any one point um but that that is a fun one Mm -hmm. if you had room and if you yeah don't have the desks all in the way right and and finally uh we were really encouraged especially during our covid year to just go outside for a little bit you know students were students had to be masked in the class all the time if we if they could just go outside get you know, keep their distance away from each other. They could take their masks off, and that was seen as like a really, a really a nice way to take the weight off of people's shoulders. Just not yeah. to have to stress anymore about having to wear a mask. They felt like they could breathe. Um, yeah, they really loved going outside. They still love going outside, it, even if it's just to hang out, do nothing. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about what I do with my classes? Absolutely. Yeah. So. With Joe's 90-minute classes, I think the brain breaks are essential. For me, when we only have 45 minutes and we're only meeting four times a week, I find like I really want to utilize every minute of my class time. But that said, I do still want my class to feel broken up and to have that variety like we talked about. So with my English classes, what that looks like is whenever I can, I'll start class with some kind of worksheet or 
um, vocabulary work, um, or I'll put grammar sentences on the board, not to kind of put people under pressure right away, but to just give them something to do that's no pressure, actually. Like, fill this worksheet out. It's not going to be for a grade. We're going to go over it together. But what it does is it allows for that transition time we talked about where, okay, you just came from math class and you had a test. Well, here's this worksheet in front of you. And if you're still scatterbrained for the first five minutes of class, it's fine because we're going to go over this anyway. And, you know, if you finally like kick into English gear after three minutes, great. Or if you come in and you're ready to go right from the start, great. I've got something for you. And so it just, uh, and, you know, if people are chatting a little bit, like we can, you know, that kind of phases out because they have something to work on. Whereas if they just come in and sit down, it's still just like their period in between classes and they, they're not going to kick on kick in until like I kind of settle them in. This settles them in for them in a pretty organic way. Um, Arabic, I can do the same thing. I can put words on the board or I can put letters on the board that they have to figure out how to spell out. Um, it just gives them something to do from the start. Um, and then as far as like in the, you know, in the middle and end periods of the class with English, I love having discussion. I love the getting the students to talk. I think in some ways that's a break from being talked to. Now it's like a conversation with others. Um, I love that. I, and I think there's also, I'll, I'll mention this, I think there's a sense, and you probably get it too, Joe, where if you've been talking for a while, like trying to maybe explain a concept or something, you still get a sense of like, man, I've been talking for a while like is everyone shutting down are they still with me that kind of a thing and you just don't want that feeling you know that feeling might not be you know it might not be true but you don't want that feeling to linger and so if you start to get that feeling i think that's where you've got to tell yourself all right how can i mix things up now or how can i get the class to re-engage or do i tell everyone to stand up really quick and, and and take a breath um anyway keeping the class engaged we have physical copies of our books i like that because i think that you know, keeps people engaged instead of looking at a screen. Um, one thing I like doing with Arabic, especially, is we've got to have a lot of conversations. So I love doing partner work, but then even more so, I love what I call like the cocktail activity, where, hey, we've got everyone in the class. You've got to talk to everyone in, that you can or talk to as many people as you can, and everyone asks this question. Ask where you're from. Ask where did you go on vacation. And so you get up, you get out of your chair, so you get that physical part where you're moving around again, um, but then you get to go and you talk to others and you get a kind of refresher and you're not just being talked to anymore. Yeah, you, you measured a couple points there where kind of the organic transition from one class to another where it's structured. And at this point in the year, it should be anticipated. Yeah. Especially if you have the routine of it where, you know, we talked about like anticipated variety. If you're doing if you have like a different way of starting the class period every single day. That's not going to be good for the students. There's, there's, it's expected when you come into the class. It's, it's not like fully engaged as you kind of mentioned. Like you can kind of be a little bit relaxed with that first activity that you're doing, but then we slowly start and get, we slowly start to get into it. And another thing you mentioned is that these brain breaks don't have to be really long. It could be as simple as yeah. everybody stand up, touch your toes, reach to the sky, or um, I actually have two different doors in my room on the left and right side of my room. Sometimes if I see that like my students are, are dead after the POD, like they just aren't awake, I'll just be like, everybody walk out one door, 
walk around the room, come in the other one. Like just get up, <laughs> yeah. get moving, moving a little bit, and let's start this class yeah. over again, and let's uh, have a little bit more energy. Just to clarify, POD is problem of the day, right? That is correct. Not the uh, early two thousands rock band. Oh jeez. If any of our listeners understand that reference, good on you. Boom! Here comes the boom! Anyway, um, what was I? Oh, question for you: Do you do you ever plan your brain breaks? Like, do you say, okay, today after twenty minutes, we're going to do wuxia, or do you kind of play it by ear and wait for that feeling of like, okay, the class is dying a little bit, let's mix it up. I mean, I, I kind of understand, especially on those block days, like 30, 40 minutes into the class, let's take a break. And and my class is pretty much, I, I try to structure my block day classes where it's, we do something for 30 minutes, take a break, we mm-hmm. do something for another 30, 40 minutes, and that's that. Okay. Yeah, so there are aspects of like, the way that you teach should flow with having a good time to have a brain break. Yeah, and then one other thought, which maybe we've kind of covered, but just to spell out, is you can break up the class not in going from teaching your subject to not, but the way the students are interacting with the class. Like I said, with discussion, but also you know with Arabic, part of what you're doing is speaking, or sometimes I'm I'm talking to you in Arabic, but you there's writing that's part of it too so like them writing things out versus them talking versus them listening versus me giving them a grammar lesson these are all different things and so if you can avoid getting stuck on just one thing keep at least keep the um type of material mixed up so then again that their brain stays fresh and they don't feel like they're getting um, bogged down with anything yeah and and if you could have like activities that are physically active as well as you know, mentally active, like sometimes I do a scavenger hunt where I'll put 12 questions around the, around the classroom. Yeah. If you know, whatever answer you got for the question on like the left, like the top left corner of the class, you got to find the one where it matches that. And you got to walk around the class and find the next problem to do. And you got to do everything in order. So it gets them moving around and they get like a 15, 20 second break in between every single question because they got to walk around and find where they need to go. Yeah. One more question. Do you ever get the, I'm going to call it the dream scenario where everyone's locked in. And even though you're gone past maybe that 30 minute mark, you feel like you've got a good energy in the class. Will you use that? Or will you say like, all right, let's take a break anyway, even though it like everyone's on task and you kind of things are going as you'd like them to, as far as the, the specific topic you're working on. Well, at this point, I've got to the, I've got to the point where pretty much every single one of my classes loves doing the fun fact on the block days. Okay, cool. So even yeah. if even if we're cruising and we're doing really well and students are engaged, and one student will be like, "Mr. Brennan, we haven't done our fun fact yet today." So at at that point, like we have yeah. to take, we have to say, "Okay, everybody, stand up, move around a little bit, and uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll do the fun fact and get back into it." Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, I just thought of this. One, one thing I would do with my English classes when we'd had a little downtime is I started playing Wordle with them. Um, and I, I kind of hooked some of the guys on that. Uh, we don't do it every day, but that was just a fun way to still like engage the mind, but uh, give them a break from what we were doing. Yeah, that's a cool thing to do. 
You got anything else on this? No, I think that was that was fun. I, I like hearing your ideas, and um, I think it's worth talking about. Like, and I hope the listeners enjoy this one. Just talking about different fun games to have. I mean, half of these are like just fun group games anyway, and so uh, it's always fun to uh, exchange those kind of ideas. Who's got a fun story this week? Is it on me or you? Well, I gave the I gave the funny story last week about the guy uh, going the wrong way in the basketball game. So that's true. I think it's yours if you got one. Well, we we had our first we had our first soccer game this uh, this last week, and it mm-hmm. was a competitive game. We we were able to pull it out two nil. I, I have one player who, well, I'll just preface he's an Arsenal fan, so obviously he's a little goofy. Okay, a little goofy, um, and. He'll just do and say just random things that like are completely unexpected. I'm like, does, does he do the one thing where a lot of students do where he says something that's it's not really inappropriate. It's just odd. It's just like, why'd you say that thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's a lot of that. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And like, if he, if he tries to shoot and like he messes up, like sometimes he'll do like a high pitch scream and I'm just like, Dude, you, you gotta you gotta not do that. It's okay. You, you just can't do that. Um, but we uh, we finish our first half. We score we score a goal right at right towards the end of the half with about two minutes left. And I I can see that I can tell it's going to be a close game. I'm I'm trying to high five everybody, keep everybody encouraged. Mm-hmm. And then he's <laughs> just like, "When's our next game?" <laughs> 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 yeah and, and like i didn't even have to say it like the other players are like hey let's be focused on this game it's like yeah i know that but what's our <laughs> when's our next game <laughs> and it, it's that's great it was really on brand for for this kid to say that it just it just <laughs> felt right yeah uh but i also appreciated that i didn't have to get on him for like how ridiculous it was to ask me that in the yeah at the in between in between halves of our first game, which was pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. I've got a follow-up for that, but I'll save it just in case we we need more uh, funny stories from uh, something that happened while coaching tennis. <laughs> All right. Well, but, yeah, for the numbers – oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, for the numbers game, we're going to keep things uh, soccer-related. Yeah. You want to take it from here? Well, I just had this idea of trying to keep track of – how many points are available in a soccer season. So what I mean by that is in the Premier League, which Joe and I watch and like a lot, you get three points if you win a match, you get one point if you tie or draw a match, and you get zero points if you lose. So it's not like there's a fixed number of points available, right? If if there's if every team draws, then yeah, you just have one point every time, but you know, a result could end up in three points for one team and zero points for another team or one and one. So there's a total variety here and there's 20 teams. So my question is, we're 34 weeks in, assuming the teams have played about 33 or 34 matches. My question is, how many total points have been achieved or won in the season? So, you know, if if every team has... 15 points then there would be 300 total points achieved right correct yeah so not how many goals are scored but how many points have been achieved through either wins or draws all right do you have your number okay i have my number 
I said mine first last time, so you go first. Okay. Time. Well, I, I figure that, the, yeah, each team's played about 32 games, uh, and there are 20 teams in the Premier League, so that would mean that there are that that there would have been 320 matches through 32 weeks. You've already done more scientific work than I have. <laughs> and And in every game, the total number of points to be had is either three or two. Three points if a team wins. There are two points had okay. if a team draws. So yeah. I figured most games end in wins. So there are three points had. So I did 320 times three to say 960. And I'm factoring, I'm, I'm going to say that there have been about 60 draws. So I subtracted 60. So I'm going with 900. Okay, well, we have a problem. This is hilarious because 900 is my number for completely different reasons. <laughs> so here's what I thought. I... I, we talked before the show, we were allowed to look up what the number of points for the top team right now is. And that team is Manchester City, and they have 77 points. And I don't know where everybody, where all the other teams are, but I wanted to get a average. I want to say, okay, if the average team has this amount of points, I'll multiply that by 20. And I thought the 45. average might be around 45 and I've said 45 times 20. <laughs> um, so this is this is a so I think I, I mean we have a couple ways we could go at this. Well, how about this? I have how, no how idea about on that one. do you do you want to stay with 900 or would you like to change it? Ah, okay. One of us can change their number. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll stay with 900. Okay. Do I have the option to change mine? Yes. Okay. So basically, it comes down to have there been more or less than 900 points? Oh, yeah. Actually, that's fine. Let's make it the over-under. Do you want to say over or under 900? Have there been 60 draws in the Premier League? It's funny because you can picture times where there are no draws in a week. And you can picture other times right. where there's like three. Right. Like I'm, I'm thinking back to like just my team is Tottenham. And I'm just trying to think like how many games have yeah. we had that have been draws? Yeah. It's not many. That's true because you guys love to lose. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go under 900. Okay. Because I think those bottom I think those like bottom 10 teams. I think they they live for just getting a point. Yeah. And some um, of those games. Are we so include? Are we including the the match this morning? Sure. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it. All right. Um, do you want to get a calculator and I'll tell you what the points are? Sure. All right. Ready? Yep. All right. So 77, 76, 62, 60, 57, 54, 52, 49, 41, 40, 40, 39, 39, 37, 36, 33, 29, 28, 22, 21. 892. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. You sure you didn't skip it, skip over any? I've got 77, 76, 62, 60, 57, 54, 52, 49, 41, 40, 40, 39, 39, 37, 36, 33, 29, 28, 22, 21. Ah. Uh. Ah, oh, so close. Well, I love that over under then. And we were look yeah. at both of us getting those guesses like that. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, shoot. Okay. So 
Oh, does that mean I'm running again? Or is this the t-shirt challenge? Oh, not the t-shirt challenge. <laughs> yes, it is. I think you got the t-shirt challenge. Oh, no. Okay. I will have to do my best with that. What if I can't do it? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some hints for how to kind of work your way up to it. Okay. Or or I have to dedicate like an hour to doing it, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Handstand for an hour. I, I think right. you'll be able to do it. Oh, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The encouragement, being a good teacher right there. Encouraging. Yeah. Growth mindset, etc. That's right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Jamil, learn them good. Learn them good. See you next week, everybody. Bye.